going on, everybody? And welcome to the first and foremost sports podcast. This is episode 50 with your host, Jimmy Covington. What's up? What's up? I'm Quentin Douglas. What's going on, everybody? Man, Quentin, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, bro. How about you? I can't complain, man. Uh, chilling. Got off a little early today, so that's always good. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it's been a little muggy outside today, but other than that, I can't complain. Been a pretty good day overall. Man. But let's go ahead and get to it. So on last Thursday, uh, the NFL draft started and it ended uh, on Saturday. There was a lot of great players that were selected. There was a lot of teams that got better. Uh, but for this show today, we're going to talk about the best draft class from each division. So what we're going to do, we're going to pick one team from each division and we're going to choose of that team. We'll decide who had the best draft class. So Go ahead and get it started here. We're going to start off with the NFC West. Uh, Quinn, for the NFC West, what team had the best draft? Ah, man. Well, on the surface, I might seem a little biased, but I have to go with the San Francisco 49ers. Now, of course, you look at the top of the draft, they invested a whole lot into, you know, number three overall pick to eventually get Trey Lance. Uh, it's definitely a huge gamble, and ultimately is what this draft class is going to be defined by. But, uh, you know, outside of Trey Lance, who I think is going to revolutionize Kyle Shanahan's offense, and they're going to take over the NFL, uh, you know, you have to look at Aaron Banks. They adjust the offensive line, which was, the, which was a weakness last year, especially on the interior. And then I think Trey Sermon, an Ohio State guy who – took over down the stretch last year in the postseason, I think he could be arguably one of the biggest steals of the draft, uh, especially given the way Kyle Shanahan can scheme running offenses. So I think overall, you know, this is a pretty solid draft class for the 49ers. You know, I don't think you're actually biased at all. I actually went with the 49ers as well. They got their guy, and that's always important. Uh, Trey Lance is the ultimate boomer bust prospect. He can make every throw. Uh, he's smart. You know, in, in his long year as a starter, he set his own protections. Uh, he had full field reads. He processed his progressions very quickly, and he's an, an amazing runner. I think he had over 1,000 yards in his long season as a starter. Uh, so they got their guy. You know, it's heavy. You know, that Kyle Shanahan system is heavy on play action, and Trey Lance did, had a lot of play action while he was at North Dakota State. So, you know, that, that lends itself well to the, the development of a young quarterback. And like you know, a couple other, you know, picks they made. Trey Sermon, you know, I think as a runner, personally, I believe, you know, his skills in terms of, you know, his vision and that kind of stuff. I think he's an average runner in that aspect, but he has some good receiving skills. But like you said, with the way Kyle Shanahan can scheme things up, I don't feel like that that'll be much of a problem as well. And then they also uh, selected Ambry Thomas in the third round. Uh, he's a fundamentally sound corner uh, with good ball tracking skills. So overall, they made some solid draft picks and they made the team better. And I would. If I had to put a grade on it, I would give him a B. Right, no doubt. I think I was writing a B plus, A minus range, range if I had to give them a grade. Uh, you know, pretty much Trey Lance is, like I said, going to be the biggest determining factor of this draft. But, you know, this front office, they have a really good track record of late round picks. Um, and I think I got to keep an eye on Tyler Noah Hufanga, who they got in the fifth round, a safety out of USC. He battled some injuries, but he was the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year last year, and he was a playmaker, and that's something we've lacked at our safety position. So 
if he could put it together and, you know, maybe in about a year or two or down the road, he could be something. Definitely. I, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch made some solid selections. And, you know, year in and year out, they've proven that they can draft players. Uh, even in later rounds, they develop into some great players, you know, most notably George Kittle. So, and who got drafted in the fifth round? Right. And I think if I had to be nitpicky about this draft, I think the only thing I say I wish they had addressed was the receiver position, uh, especially in the slot. But, you know, maybe hopefully through trade or free agency still this offseason, they can go and get somebody for that spot. Oh, yeah. And I don't think it'll be much of a problem with the way they do things in San Francisco. Right. And, you know, kind of looking around at some of the other teams in the NFC West, you know, ultimately I don't think the Rams did too bad of a job, you know, especially considering their first-round pick was technically still one of the trade pieces used to get all-pro cornerback Jalen Ramsey, um, who, of course, was a staple of the NFL's best defense last year. Um, And then they got Tutu Atwell. You know, there's a lot of question marks about his size, but as far as his speed goes, he could be, you know, the replacement long-term for Deshaun Jackson, who they brought into town. And remember, their third-round pick was one of the picks they used to get Matthew Stafford. Um, So, of course, that remains to be seen as well. But ultimately, I do think the Rams also did a pretty good job also. They actually got my second second best grade in the NFC West. I would have gave them about a B minus. Yeah, I'm right in the same range, about a B, B minus. Uh, and then, you know, pretty much I think there's a noticeable gap between those two teams' draft classes and, you know, the Cardinals and the Seahawks. You know, first starting with the Cardinals, I, I think, you know, especially right now looking at it, Zayvon Collins might have been a reach at pick number 16. You know, I was guessing maybe they addressed something on the offensive side of the ball. Um, And then, of course, the third-round pick this year uh, went to Rodney Hudson, who that's probably going to be seen as a good pickup. But, you know, a huge question mark, they waited until the fourth round to get a cornerback. And, you know, they lost Patrick Peterson in the offseason, so – that could come back to bite them in the butt down the road. Definitely. And so the, the NFC West definitely got better. And uh, so, I'm, like I said, I'm excited year in and year out to watch the, uh, the NFC West battle because it's always a, it's a great game every single time those teams play each other. Yeah, yeah, I'm right with you. And, you know, those Week 17 matchups usually have some pretty heavy playoff implications. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But moving on here to the NFC South. This division also got better. And, Quinn, who is your who had your best draft class out of the NFC South teams? Yeah, I agree with you. Like you said, this is a division who I think at least three out of the four teams, I pretty much overall like what they came away with in the draft. Uh, but my top team, I'm actually going with the Carolina Panthers. You know, first off at the top, they got J.C. Horn. He shot up a lot of teams' draft boards. Uh, as arguably the top corner, in my opinion, is still Patrick Sertain. But, you know, if he pans out, that'll be a home run hit for them. Uh, Terrace Marshall battled some injuries, but if he can come in and be another weapon from them, in addition to what they already have, um, you know, that could be an explosive offense with Sam Darnold, not the quarterback position. And, of course, 
it wouldn't be right if you didn't invest in protecting him. And they used that third round pick, uh, offensive tackle, uh, Brayden Christensen out of BYU. Uh, so, you know, they also have some late round picks and Tommy Trumbull and Chuba Hubbard, who, you know, I believe they could definitely outlive their draft pick status uh, and end up being some steals down the road. I actually like Tommy Trumbull as a more athletic Kyle Juszczyk. I also had Carolina is with the best draft class in the NFC South, and I gave them the grade of a B plus. Coming into the draft, their top needs were offensive line, cornerback, and tight end. Uh, and with their first pick, they drafted a cornerback, uh, J.C. Horn, who's arguably the best corner in this draft class. Uh, he has great physical traits, and he's excellent in man-to-man coverage. So, you know, they got somebody to pair opposite of Dante Jackson. So there's something that they sorely needed last season. So they got their guy. And then in the second round, the 59th pick, they got Terrace Marshall, talented receiver. He reunites with Joe Brady, who was his offensive coordinator at LSU the year they won a national championship. Uh, he's a great height, weight, speed guy. He's versatile. He's able to play inside and out. So there'll just be another weapon that Sam Donald can use to pair, you know, to form a nice trio with uh, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. And in the third round, they got a, a guy that's going to compete for the left tackle spot in Brady Christensen out of Notre Dame, like you mentioned. And also in the sixth round, they got Deontay Brown, who's a guard out of Alabama, who is a monster in the run game. So I expect those guys to compete for snaps early on. So I think they, I believe they got a couple starters, uh, possibly three or four starters, and just out of the few names that I named. Right, definitely a solid draft. I think looking back in a couple of years, ultimately it'll come down to, you know, was it a mistake to pass on a quarterback and was Sam Darnold ultimately the guy uh, who's going to lead them? But, you know, the Falcons, they also had a really solid draft class. I like what they did. You know, at the top, Kyle Pitts is as big of a home run hit as it gets. He's a freak of nature, generational talent. And, you know, I think he could have multiple Pro Bowls in his future. Uh, Richie Grant, he's a hitter at safety. He'll come in and solidify that secondary for them on defense. And, of course, we know, you know, they needed a lot of help on that offensive line up front. And they addressed that with Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan. Uh, they also got Drew Dahlman, uh, a center out of Stanford, who was a guy a lot of 49ers fans wanted because his dad actually used to play for us. Um, so that that could be a good pickup in the fourth round as well. Um, but, you know, especially taking into consideration that salary cap limitations, um, I think they did a pretty solid job. And I heard you mention Sam Darnold, and I, I think he is going to be the guy. I think, you know, when he was with New York, he didn't have really much offensive talent at all around him. And that's even including the offensive line. Even the coach was terrible. So, I mean, it's hard to – to put up solid numbers and to win games when you got to have a terrible offensive roster. This is an offensive game, and it's not like their defense was top tier. Uh, so I think Sam Darnold can definitely be their guy. Hopefully he gets his career resurrected. But, if you know, if he can take a step forward and be, you know, what people thought he was going to be coming out of the draft, the Carolina Panthers, could def- I could see them definitely uh, being a wild card team. I agree with you. And another team in this division that's worth mentioning, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, of course, they return all their starters. But, you know, in the draft, they added a pass rusher and Joe Tryon. He could be a nice uh, piece for them, especially with Jason Pierre-Paul on the back end of his career. You know, they bring in Kyle Trask out of Florida, who I really like as a prospect and who could be a possible replacement for Tom Brady. 
you know, whenever he retires, seems like that'll be never. <laughs> but um, Kyle Trask, if you forgot, which you probably didn't, he actually led the nation with 43 touchdown passes uh, in 2020. But I think the only questionable thing for the Buccaneers, which was kind of where I split hairs and put the Panthers at the top, uh, and Dominican Sue, you know, he's not getting any younger. And at that defensive tackle spot, he played 75% of their defensive snaps last year. Um, and, you know, they did nothing really to get any depth to back him up there. So that's going to be a big question mark for sure. You know, I didn't forget about Kyle Trask. You already know Tampa Bay probably had the best offseason of any team. They returned all 22 starters, and they were basically drafting for depth reasons. So I expect them to be right right there back at the top uh, competing for a, for a Super Bowl, another Super Bowl. No doubt. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. But let's move on here. Speaking of don't fit, if it ain't broke, uh, Quinn, uh, next, moving on to the NFC North. Uh, f- who is your uh, best draft class for the NFC North? Man, once again, I think I'm being a little biased, but, you know, the Chicago Bears took my guy, Justin Fields, and, you know, they actually sacrificed a lot for him. You know, of course, a couple years ago, they had that big swing and miss on Mitchell Trubisky, who actually now is no longer with the team. He's backing up Josh Allen at Buffalo. Uh, but they maneuvered up from 20 to pick 11 to get Justin Fields, who, in my opinion, and I think, you know, pretty much the consensus at this point is that he is the second best quarterback right now in this draft um, and could end up being the, you know, he could be the most successful or second most successful when we look back on this quarterback class. Uh, but immediately they invested in protecting him. They got Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State and then Larry Borum out of Missouri, two mammoths at offensive tackle, uh, two guys who like to give physical. And, you know, later in the draft, they got Daz Newsom, who's a nice, uh, you know, slot receiver out of North Carolina. So I think just overall, you know, they had a pretty solid draft. Definitely. I, I had Chicago Bears as well. Uh, I think we, we've been – we've all had the same, you know – team so far i gave them a b plus one of the, their biggest need i think was quarterback while receiving offensive line and they addressed two of those uh, justin fields could potentially be the best quarterback in his draft he has star potential and he's their quarterback of the future and also tevin jenkins i think he was the first round talent they got him in the second round i think he's an instant starter at right tackle uh he's a uh, could possibly be a dominant run bo- run blocker and uh you know he has some has some some things to work on when it terms it comes to pass blocking, but they I think they have their guy at, at quarterback and right tackle. I think it's that's not much that you can ask more of, uh, especially you know with drafting guys. Exactly, uh, and you know a team within that division who I think came a close second behind them. Um, I actually like what the Detroit Lions did. You know, Panay Sewell probably was arguably the best player in the draft and he fell to them at number seven and you know they followed that up they went back to back at defensive tackle uh i'm not even gonna try to pronounce (laughs) is i believe levi anwuzarike uh from washington and then the second guy aline mcneil they're just two guys uh who can clog up the middle they have a lot of athletic ability 
And I think just with those first three picks shows that with the rebuild that's going on in Detroit, they really want to start from the inside out and build and win in the trenches. Uh, and then later on, they got Amon Ross St. Brown from USC who could prove to be a steal. Uh, you know, he was a solid receiver at USC. He was a gamer, always showed up in big games and big moments. Um, and so I think overall this is a, a really good draft for Detroit. Uh, definitely. They uh, they had some, you know, fill some needs. Like I said, Panay Sewell was one of my favorite picks there. I actually thought they might have won receiver, but like I said, it's always – it's easy. You know, it's always good when you can get you a franchise tackle because, I mean, you got to protect your blind side, got to protect your quarterback. So they definitely made some solid picks, and I'm pretty sure they got some starters out of the draft class as well. No doubt about it. Um, and then, you know, perhaps the biggest draft day news we had wasn't even, you know, a draft drafted player, but Aaron Rodgers up in Green Bay who was making a lot of noise, pouting, um, you know, pretty much saying he didn't want to return to the team. And, you know, latest we saw, he pretty much said that he didn't want to go back unless they got rid of uh, general manager Brian Gutenkunz, who, of course, if you forgot, wasted a first-round pick last year on quarterback Jordan Love. And there's definitely been no love lost between Aaron Rodgers and that team. Um, and so definitely a huge shadow looming over Green Bay right now is, you know, whether or not Aaron Rodgers will suit up in a uniform next year. And it's the, I definitely didn't, I definitely saw that. And, you know, it depends on, you know, what he's going to do. I know I've seen reports of him threatening to possibly even retire. So, I think, you know, the winner of that division is going to be up in the air. I think Chicago could. If Aaron Rodgers is not going to be in Green Bay, Chicago, I believe Chicago are definitely the favorites uh, to win that division in year one. And I think that's regardless of who's the starting quarterback, whether it's Andy Dalton or or Justin Fields, who I, whom I hope is a starter from day one. Right. I think you have to like Chicago, of course. And, you know, I don't think you can count out the Vikings either. Uh, they brought in Christian Derrissaw, who probably – will prove to be a steal at pick number 23. They got Kellen Mond, a guy who brings some dual threat ability. He could push Kirk Cousins and maybe some at some point be the long-term answer in Minnesota. Um, and then they got a guy in Chad Surratt who can be a quarterback of their defense. So I think they did well with some picks as well uh, in Minnesota. I just, overall, I still don't think they addressed the pass rush like they should have. They still have definitely a, a lot to uh, make up for in that department. Definitely, definitely. Uh, but let's move on here to the last uh, NFC division. That's the NFC East. I think a lot of those teams got better. Uh, Philly, New York, Dallas, Washington, they all got better. But, Quinn, who do you think uh, had the best draft class of the NFC East? Man, so actually in this, class, or this division – uh, I went with the New York Giants. I actually like what they did first round. They traded down. Uh, they traded down to 20 and ended up coming away with Kadarius Tony. You know, they realized they weren't going to get Devontae Smith after the Eagles snatched them up. Uh, so ultimately, they got Kadarius Tony and a first round pick for next year. So I think it's a win win for them. Kadarius Tony has a lot of speed and, you know, could end up. Uh, being a huge, huge uh weapon for them. And then also you got Aziz Ojolari, 
who some had as a first-round talent, uh, but, you know, due to some medical reasons and things like that, he slid down to the second. But he could bring a lot to the table for that pass rush. Uh, but, you know, going back to Tony, I think that just once again shows their investment in Daniel Jones, and hopefully he'll get going in the right direction this year. You know what? I almost chose uh, New York, and it was a it was a tough thing for me last night because I was going back and forth between Philly and New York. Uh, but I ultimately decided to go with Philly, and I gave them a B plus. Uh, their top needs were offensive line, wide receiver, and cornerback, and I think they got arguably the best wide receiver uh, in the class. And Devontae Smith uh, got him at number ten. I think he's going to be a per- perennial Pro Bowl talent. He's a buttery smooth route runner. He has great hands. Uh, although he is, you know, on the slender side, I don't think that's going to be much of an issue. I mean, we've seen Marvin Harrison, who was, you know, about 175 pounds. He's a Hall of Famer, 14,000 yard receiver. Uh, so Devontae Smith has all the talent, all the skills in the world to be a top notch guy. And uh, and you pair him, you know, with Jalen Hurts, and they're going to have some chemistry there. You know, and I think in the second round, I think they got a guy who definitely would have been the first round pick if he had he not been hurt in Landon Dickerson. He's a versatile guy from Alabama, can play guard or either center, and he's a big, strong guy. And he's a Landon Dickerson is a monster. I think you put him, you know, beside Jason Kelsey, who's been one of the best centers in the league or for quite some time, and you're going to have, you know, a powerful tandem on the inside. And also in the fifth round, just a guy out of Memphis, a Kenneth Gainwell, who's a running back. He has good vision, and he's an excellent pass catcher out of the backfield. He's one of those guys, you know, over the last two, three years that you guys like. Tony Pollard, uh, those guys, you know, running back kind of slash receiver, that mold, that's exactly what he is. And I think he's going to help Jalen Hurts and Philly out as well, just adding another pass catcher, another guy who can uh, make some make, make some things happen in the open field. Right. Uh, you know, I'm right with you. Philly definitely had a solid class. I was actually torn on them myself. I'm a big fan of Devontae Smith. You know, I really hope he pans out for them. And, you know, I'm right with you on the Landon, Coll- Landon Dickerson, actually. <laughs> I said Landon Collins, but both Bama guys. But I'm high on the Landon Dickerson pick myself. Like you said, I'm all for him starting out at guard, learning the ropes from a guy in Jason Kelsey who's made multiple Pro Bowls in his career. Um, And like you said, Kenneth Gainwell, he was a guy actually wanted the 49ers to draft. Uh, Very explosive, contributes in the run and pass game. And, you know, I think he slid a little bit. I think a big factor had to do with them sitting out uh, last year, but definitely could be a steal for them in that spot. Definitely. And, and I, I had a, a a brain blunder, and it was Antonio Gibson. That was a guy I was trying to mention you know, when I talking about Kenneth Gainwell. Antonio Gibson, Tony Pollard, and Kenneth Gainwell, they're all you know similar players. Like I said, they're running back, wide receiver mode. That's, that's who I was forgetting to mention. Oh, yeah, and all went to Memphis too, by the way. <laughs> yep, definitely, um, definitely. But, uh, you know, the Cowboys, they got a – I think a lot of people are split on the Micah Parsons pick. How do you feel about that one? I think it's an excellent pick uh, based off, you know, the guys that you wanted, J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertain were gone. But I think, you know, Micah Parsons arguably was the best defensive player in his draft, uh, has elite athleticism, can rush the pasture, can sideline to sideline speed, can be on the field all three downs. I mean – and I think you basically will have him replacing a guy in Leighton Vanderish who hasn't been healthy the last few years. So that was it wasn't seen as a, a position of total need, but it filled. I think I think it'll definitely make their defense better. Yeah, you know, like you said, Michael Parsons was for a lot of people the best defensive talent in this draft. 
for a guy about 260, you know, he can really, really move at his position. Um, you know, I know y'all had some issues with Leighton Vander Esch and Jalen Smith and, of course, the retirement of Sean Lee. Um, so definitely needed, you know, some retooling there. And Kelvin Joseph, a guy who started out at LSU, ended up at Kentucky. Uh, you know, a lot of people are high on him as well. Hopefully he can shore up that secondary. And uh, another guy, Jabril Cox, he's another uh, coverage linebacker who slid to the fourth round. But, you know, that coveted skill set, being able to cover, uh, like, tight ends, safeties, thing, or tight ends and running backs, uh, things of that nature, uh, he could end up uh, being a steal for them as well. I believe they, I believe they got better. Uh, of course, you can't argue with Cowboys fans. They think they know it all, but they definitely got better. They're delusional, man. You can't win. And, by the way, the, of course, the Washington football team, they definitely should have taken a quarterback. They let Chicago leapfrog them from 20 all the way up to 11. So, you know, I think that alone was a big damper on their draft grade. But Jamin Davis, who they got in the first round out of Kentucky, I think he's going to be a really, really good linebacker at the next level. Definitely, definitely. But moving on here to the AFC, we're going to start off with the AFC North. Quinn, what team do you think had the best draft class in the AFC North? Yeah, I didn't think this one was really even close. I really love what the Cleveland Browns did. You know, they've already had a really good offseason. Plus, you throw in the fact you're getting guys healthy like Odell Beckham Jr. You get first-round pick uh, from last year, Grant Delpit, at safety. And then you follow that up in this draft. Uh, oh, not to mention they added, you know, Jadavian Clowney at free agency. But then you come back in this draft class, you get Greg Newsom, who a lot of people were high on in the first round. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, I thought he was a top 15 talent. Some had as a top five defensive talent in, his in this draft. And he fell to them all the way at 52. And, you know, if he's used properly, Again, on paper, that could be a really big steal for them. Uh, just looking at what they have, you know, John Johnson, they got Ronnie Harrison, they got Grandel Pitt coming back, Denzel Ward, and now you add in Newsom and Owosu Koromora. And, you know, that could be a pretty elite back end for Cleveland. And, you know, considering what they did last year, you know, that could be a team that makes a huge jump next year. For me, I think this is the first time that we'll go in separate directions. I have to go with the Baltimore Ravens. Well, not second time, excuse me. I got to go with the Baltimore Ravens. I gave them a B plus. Uh, outside, their top needs were outside linebacker, wide receiver, and center, and they addressed all three of those uh, with the first pick in the first round of Rashad Bateman, who's about six foot one, one hundred ninety pounds. He has a great release. He's instinctive when the play breaks down, and that's. It, that bodes well for what Lamar Jackson does with his ability to scramble. We've seen, you know, plenty of times where a play is broken down. He's been able to make, you know, big plays, you know, outside of the regular structure of what, of the play call. And that, I think that bodes well for what, you know, what they like to do in Baltimore. And uh, with their second first-round pick, they got Odafe Owe, who's a freak athlete. He ran a 4.39.40 at 260 pounds. 
and he could be a pro level, pro bowl level pass rusher uh, from the jump. He has all the physical traits uh, necessary, and I think he'll be coached up by a great defensive staff in Baltimore. Also, they got a guy in the third round by the name of Ben Cleveland. He can play either guard or center, and uh, he can be a, he could be a quality starter if he's coached up properly, definitely. And their fifth round pick, Sean Way, who's an Ohio State guy, he had a bad twenty twenty, I would say, as a starter, but he played on the outside. I think he was out of position. Uh, he was elite as a nickel cornerback in 2019, and, and, and I remember there were talks coming into 2020 that maybe he was one of the best corners in the draft. But like I said, he had a bad 2020, you know, kind of took him out of favor. But he can be a disruptive force if he's playing in the nickel. Uh, but he has to get his fundamentals in order. But like I said, with the way they coach guys up defensively in Baltimore, I think he could be a quality starter for those guys for Baltimore as well. Yeah, that was probably not a single player whose draft stock took a bigger hit than Sean Wade. Uh, and I witnessed that up close and personal. But like you said, for him and both Adafe away, this is a good scenario for them. But I think pretty much uh, can be said for both of those picks as well as Rashad Bateman, they have the potential to be a home run or a strikeout. Because, uh, you know, given all of Wade's physical talents, he had zero sacks last year for Penn State. So, if he ends up, you know, he's really the replacement for Orlando Brown, who's a pro bowler at right tackle. Uh, so that definitely rolling the dice on that one. So I had a C-plus for that draft grade. I actually like what the Bengals did more than the Ravens. You know, first off, you got Jamar Chase, who caught only 20 of Joe Burrow's college touchdown passes during his record-breaking season. And then, you know, second round, you invest in protecting them. You get Jackson Carmen out of Clemson. Um, and then, you know, they just really made some nice late-round picks. Uh, and ultimately, just getting him that additional weapon, especially replacing A.J. Green, um, I think the Bengals did a really solid job in this draft. I actually hated the Bengals' first pick. I was, I was Honestly, I was kind of upset with their first pick. Uh, and I think, you know, the reason being is that you got T. Higgins, who was nearly a thousand-yard receiver last year. You got Tyler Boyd, who has been—I think he has back-to-back one-thousand-yard seasons out of the slot. You have Joe Mixon, and then you have a chance to solidify, you know, the blind side for him. And then you take a wide receiver. He—I know they didn't forget Joe Burrow towards ACL. He got hit a lot last year, so why not get your get you a franchise left tackle? But they went and got a receiver, so. I mean, Jamar Chase is a arguably the best receiver in his class, and he's a talented guy. But I would—I would have went. Uh, with a with an offensive lineman instead. Uh, if one wow. thing, if the Super Bowl, if the Super Bowl shows you one thing, it shows you that games are still championships are still one in the trenches, and they had a chance to significantly upgrade the offensive line, and they didn't take that, that opportunity. Well, I also think it's fair to say that the Bengals' offensive line isn't a one man uh, fix, and I don't think Panay Sewell by himself would have solved all of their problems up front. I think you get the generational talent in Jamar Chase. And then given that this is a pretty deep offensive lineman class, uh, you know, I think I think it'll still be fine. You know, I don't know why you get Jackson Carmen, especially they traded down. There were some better prospects for sure. Uh, but, you know, they got two more offensive linemen later in the draft also. So, you know, like I said, I don't think it was a one-man fix. But I definitely still overall think they did better than the Ravens. 
Uh, we can we can agree to disagree there. Cause think about it. Do you think Rashad Bateman is gonna take that offense in Baltimore to the next level? Is he really gonna be the number one receiver that Lamar Jackson needs? I mean, he possibly could, but with the way they run, the, with the way their offense is, they don't need him to be Julio Jones. You know, you know what I'm saying? That's not what they need. They just need a reliable guy on the outside, opposite of of Hollywood Brown and Sammy Watkins. I mean, I, I mean, let's call it what it's, – it's a reason why Baltimore has been significantly more well-run than Cincinnati uh, the entirety of his franchise. And it, decisions like that are, is exactly why. Yeah, I get all that. But I'm just looking based purely on the talent and the value that they got at their picks. And I'm taking – Jamar Chase and my second round offensive lineman over Rashad Bateman, a guy that got zero sacks and you know a third round guard. I mean, I mean, okay, I agree. I mean, you can do that. I mean, I'm cool with that, but still, like I said, I mean, your quarterback just tore his ACL. You had a chance to protect him, and yet you didn't do it. You had a guy that's. They could pro- probably it's probably going to be a perennial Pro Bowler, pro- maybe even a perennial All Pro, and you to protect your quarterback, the blind side, and you passed up on an opportunity to select a receiver when elite receive. Well, I ain't gonna say not. I'm not gonna say elite, but good receivers come a dime a dozen. Like I said, you already got Tyler Boyd and T Higgins. T Higgins was almost a thousand yard receiver as a rookie. So I mean, no doubt. And that's you know that's why they still got a C from me. But I gave I gave the Ravens a C minus. So. I mean, they were basically neck and neck. But well, we we could talk about this all day. But let's go ahead and move on to our next to the AFC West. Quentin, who had the best draft grade for you in the NFC West? AFC West, yeah. excuse me. Nah, you good. You good. I know what you mean, bro. <laughs> but in the AFC West, I actually have the Denver Broncos. Yes, I get they passed on the quarterback, which of course, really all they had at nine was Mac Jones. Or they passed on, my bad, they passed on Justin Field. But besides that, you know, I think Patrick Sertain, he's as good as it gets as a plug-and-play first-round cornerback. We know how much they value corners in Denver. Uh, you know, Javante Williams, he was arguably a first-round talent, but he's a really good running back out of North Carolina. Uh, and then you got, you know, offensive lineman Quinn, I think is Minards. Um, he's division three, of course, but he's a versatile offensive lineman. And then they essentially use their six round pick on Teddy Bridgewater, who, in my opinion, is going to win you more football games than Drew Locke. Um, but I think pretty much, you know, you have to keep in the back of your mind, they could be a team that's a, a number one option for, uh, Aaron Rodgers. So if they could pull that off, I think this off season is a home run for the Denver Broncos. You know what? As the more I look at the Denver Broncos pick, they got a lot of high quality guys, especially late. Like if you think about it, in the seventh round, they got Kerry Vincent Jr. In the sixth round, they got Seth Williams, who was a monster in Auburn. Right. Uh, in the fifth, in the fifth round, they got Caden Stearns and Jamar Johnson, who probably will both compete uh, for maybe a, could possibly compete for a starting spot. You know, opposite of Justin Simmons, depending on what they do with Kareem Jackson. Uh, but they has definitely had some solid picks. But for me, I went with the Los Angeles Charger Chargers. I think I, honestly they might have had the best. The first three picks for me 
probably were were my favorite picks. Their top need was offensive tackle, tackle obviously, and they got Rashawn Slater, who's considered the best offensive lineman in the class. You know, with Panay Sewell, uh, he filled a huge need. Justin Herbert got pressured 217 times last season, and I think Rashawn Slater has the potential to be an All-Pro, and he's going to be opposite of uh, veteran Brian Balaga. They also went and got Corey Lindsley, who's one of the best centers in the game, and I think you know that just that bodes well uh, for the Chargers and Justin Herbert. I mean, they got we showed last year Justin Herbert was a monster. He's one of the most talented quarterbacks in the game, and, you know, and then they add to the receiving corps that was already stacked with Keenan Allen. And Mike Williams, who's a big guy who can, go, can high point the football, they added Josh Palmer out of Tennessee uh, at six foot one, two hundred ten pounds. He's a refined route runner, and he's good at contested catches. In the second round, they added a starter in Asante Samuel Jr. Asante Samuel Jr. can play outside or inside. And I think he's an instant starter opposite of Chris Harris Jr. So I think they got three guys that are going to. I think they got two starters in the first three picks, and three guys who are going to contribute immediately to a roster that's already one of the best in football. Definitely, the Chargers definitely knocked this draft out of the park, in my opinion. Like you said, two immediate starters, Rashawn Slater. He's a bodyguard for Justin Herbert. I saw him, you know, up close and personal. Stonewall Chase Young uh, at Ohio State. Uh, and Asante Samuel, he was another guy I was a really big fan of. I want the 49ers to get. But he'll be a huge boost to their secondary. And, of course, you mentioned Josh Palmer at Tennessee. We know he had arguably the worst quarterback play in the country, but, you know, he has a lot of athletic ability. He has really good body control, and like you said, he can really make those 50-50 contested catches. Um, and, you know, of course, late late round, Larry Roundtree, he was also a guy, um, you know, a heavy contributor in Missouri. Uh, and Chris Rumpf could be, you know, a boomer bust prospect from the pass rusher position. So I definitely think the Los Angeles Chargers had a pretty good draft, and I would I would give them a. But like you like you mentioned, uh, Denver they definitely got a lot. They got a lot better. Patrick Sertan was my highest graded corner. Uh, Javante Williams, a lot of people called him maybe the best running back in the class. And they, like I said, they added some some quality safeties. Uh, you know, added some more quality guys later in the draft. So I think you know the AFC West those teams got a lot better. Right. You know, even the Chiefs, they addressed their linebacker spot. They went and got Creed Humphrey to address the O-line, you know, essentially used their first-round pick to get pro bowler Orlando Brown from the Ravens. And another guy who could arguably be still of the draft, uh, offensive guard Trey Smith, who slid to them all the way in the sixth round, which really, really shocked me. Uh, but, you know, really just like two years ago, he was a, a first-round talent. He had the huge medical issues. Uh, so I think that was a really big red flag maybe for a lot of teams. But, you know, at least the last few years, he's had it under control. So that could prove to be a really, you know, ideal fit for both sides. And, you know, the Raiders, they're in the class of their own, man. They're a dumpster fire. I don't know where they're going with the direction of the team. Um their, their first-round picks seem to get even more puzzling by the year. Uh, and then on top of that, you draft three safeties. So I, I have no clue what they're doing in Las Vegas. I don't either. Uh, but 
It is what it is. Uh, well-run teams, uh, well, poorly-run teams are going to continue to make poor decisions, and uh, and this is what the Raiders are to this point. You know, they've been a mediocre team since John Gruden got there. It looks like they aren't getting any better, while teams like the Chiefs and the Chargers and the Broncos are trending. Uh, well, the Chiefs are already one of the best teams in football, but it's like teams in the, like the Broncos and the Chargers are trending in the right direction, while Las Vegas continues in a downward, uh, downward tra- trajectory. Right, and see the Chargers, they they fixed all their needs. Now the Broncos need; they just need a quarterback, and all three of those teams could be playoff caliber teams. Meanwhile, you got the Raiders; they probably trending towards possibly being number one overall pick next year. That's entirely possible. But let's move on here to the AFC South, uh, Quinn. Which team had the best draft class uh, in the AFC South? So, in the AFC South, and I don't think they're getting the attention they deserve, but I'm actually going with the Tennessee Titans. I really like what they did. You know, first round, Caleb Farley was a guy who was viewed as arguably a top 10 talent. But, you know, this offseason he had uh, the back surgery. So, you know, there's a huge medical red flag for a lot of teams. But according to the Titans, they've done their due diligence and, you know, everything's checked out. And we know how much they lost in that secondary this offseason. So he's instantly, hopefully, a plug-and-play guy who can contribute for them. He's going to have a lot of pressure on them, no doubt. Uh, And then, you know, followed that up, they got Elijah Molden in the third round, who for a lot of people was the top slot corner in this draft, who once again – you know, they had a lot of departures in the secondary. So he's a guy who can come in and compete for them right away in that slot position. And then we all know what happened with Isaiah Wilson. You know, that was just a bizarre situation. Uh, using Basically wasting that first-round pick on him last year. Of course, after losing all-pro Jack Conklin. And, you know, now they bring in a guy in Dylan Redunce out of North Dakota State who can hopefully lock down their right tackle position and give them some stability. And also, don't sleep on a guy like Rashad Weaver, who could step in and bolster their pass rush. I wanted to go Tennessee, uh, but adding Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, for me, that was enough to give Jacksonville the edge. And I gave him a B+. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has an elite blend of size, athleticism, and physical traits. He's a smooth operator. He's a great escape artist, and he can make uh, every single throw. He's probably one of the the best quarterback prospects that we've seen in quite some time. I think Mel Kuyper called him one of the best he's seen in 43 years of uh, doing draft, you know, draft evaluations. And Travis Etienne is a three-down running back. He's a home run hitter, and he's a powerful runner. You could put him in the backfield and pair him with uh, James Robinson, uh, who's a thousand-yard rusher. He was also, who was undrafted last season. So you compare have those two guys, you know splitting reps in the backfield, and you got Trevor Lawrence, and, you know, you got some other guys there in Jacksonville. And, it, you know, with Ur- compare them with Urban Meyer and what he could possibly do as an offensive play caller. You might have some special offensively in Jacksonville. Yeah, I definitely like what they did offensively. Uh, and even, you know, on defense, a guy in Tyson Campbell out of Georgia that they got in the second round, at least, you know, physically, he brings a lot to the table, checks a lot of boxes for you. And so if he can be coached up, he could be a guy on the outside for them that locks down one of those corner spots. 
Definitely. They they got better, and just like the Titans got better too. So, AFC right. South is going to be uh, going to be a nice division to watch and see. You know what happens. We'll see how the Titans rebound from the losses that they took that they had uh, due to free agency. We'll see how Urban Meyer can coach up guys in the NFL and see how you know Trevor Lawrence can possibly lead them to relevancy again. Oh, yeah, and even, you know, the Colts had an interesting draft. You know, Quiddy Pace led to them at 21. He's a guy who could arguably end up being the best pass rusher in this draft. Uh, And then, once again, you got a team in the Houston Texans, similar to the Raiders. They're just a dumpster fire. Uh, You know, they already didn't have first and second round picks. They're still dealing with, you know, all the – all the dysfunction from the Billy O'Brien era, uh, and of course losing those picks for Laramie Tunsil, uh, who j- they just paid a lot of money, by the way. Uh, but they got Davis Mills with their first quarter, with their first pick in the third round at quarterback, and you know, given all that's going on with Deshaun Watson and you know where he's going to end up, they actually got David Mills. And uh, I believe they also brought in Tyrod Taylor. And that was a third quarterback they brought in. So, you know, it just makes you wonder, you know, are they smelling something fishy with that situation or what? Uh, But like I said, either way it goes, you know, regardless of Deshaun Watson, the Houston Texans as an organization are just, you know, a dumpster fire. (laughs) Oh, they definitely are a dumpster fire. But, you know, it remains to be seen what the Deshaun Watson situation is going to be like. Uh, there hasn't been much news uh, that has come out in the last few weeks, honestly, really much at all. Uh, so that you know, we're going to keep an eye on this situation definitely. Uh, but right, you know, and like I said, oh my bad. Are you good? You but good? even with Deshaun Watson leading the league and passing, you know, they still only managed to get four wins. So. It just makes you wonder without them, and then they lost J.J. Watt, they lost Will Fuller, a number of other guys. They could be a candidate to possibly go 0-16 this year. Definitely could, especially if Deshaun Watson doesn't play. Exactly. But let's move on to our, our final division here, the AFC East. Quinn, which team in the AFC East had the best draft class? Yeah, so the AFC East, I'm actually going to roll with the New England Patriots. Um, you know, over the past few years, we've heard just how good of a drafter uh, Bill Belichick is. And, you know, in my opinion, he hasn't done too well the past few years. But I think this year he kind of made up for it a bit. Uh, you know, first round, Mac Jones was their guy all along, and he fell right into that lap at 15. Um, you know, I, I was hope- hoping – San Francisco really didn't draft him number three overall, and I don't think anybody was happier than the New England Patriots. Um, You know, Christian Barmore, he was a first-round talent who fell to them at the top of the second round, uh, so he could prove to be a huge gift for them uh, and continuing that Alabama to Foxborough pipeline. Uh, And then you also have to take into consideration they used some of their draft capital to bring back pro ball tackle Trent Brown uh, from Las Ve- from the Raiders. Uh, and then later in the draft, they got an extra running back in Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, Ronnie Perkins is a nice player from Oklahoma who fell to them. Uh, and, you know, like I said, going back to Mac Jones, he doesn't have to be thrown into the fire immediately, given that you still have Cam Newton in town. Uh, so I like what they did in the draft. Yeah, 
for me, I decided to go with the Miami Dolphins, and I gave them a grade of an A. Their top needs were pass rusher and wide receiver, and with the sixth pick, they got the most electric player in the draft in Jalen Waddle out of Alabama. Uh, comes in, you know, he'll be reuniting with Tua Tagovailoa. He's an electric playmaker, and he's a threat to touch the ball uh, anytime he has it. And like I mentioned on last week's show, I believe, he had 17 receiving touchdowns, and he averaged almost 45 yards to catch on those touchdowns. So he is the definition of a big play threat. And you pair him up with Devontae Parker and Will Fuller, who's also a big big play threat, and that's definitely going to help two out big time, who averaged only 6.3 yards in the temp last year, which is abysmal uh, considering the way offenses are set up these days. And at 18, they got Jalen Phillips, who's – Arguably the best pure pass rusher in this draft, and he has all the traits to be a perennial 10-sack guy uh, from the jump. Also in the second run, they got Javon Holland, safety out of Oregon. He'll compete for the starting free safety spot. He's a ball hawk. He had nine interceptions in two seasons, and he has some good route recognition skills for a young player. And then also in the second round, uh, at the 42nd pick, they got Liam Eichenberg, who should be a day-one starter. He's a good run blocker, and he's solid. He's a solid pass blocker. So it's definitely going to help out the Miami Dolphins offensively and defensively. And that was a team that were that was 10-6 last year and was – any other season would have been a playoff team. But so I think the Dolphins are have gotten even better, and I, I fully expect them to be a playoff team, at least in the wild card next season. I can't argue with that. Uh, you know, definitely I think they would have preferred to have Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase, but you definitely take Jalen Waddle at six as a consolation prize. And like you said, Jalen Phillips, he's definitely, you know, he has all the tools to possibly be an elite pass rusher. And I definitely like what they did in the second and third round as well. Um, and I think another team, the Jets, you know, I think they actually did pretty well themselves. You know, of course, at two, you went Zach Wilson. That was a no-brainer. Um I like what they did. They trade. I don't know about trading up for him, but he'll definitely end up being a valuable piece on the offensive line, and that's Elijah Vera Tucker. Um, and he can play multiple positions, and I think by that investment, and then you follow that up with Elijah Moore, who a lot of people liked as a fourth best receiver in this draft behind the big three out of Ole Miss, and then you get Michael Carter. Uh, who was one of two Michael Carters taken by the New York Jets. Uh, but this one, the running back out of North Carolina, uh, shows they're investing in their quarterback early uh, and shows that they're not going to make the same mistake that they did uh, with Sam Darnold. Like you mentioned, the Jets definitely got better as well, and as well as the Patriots. So the AFC East is going to be a tough division. Uh, no longer is that division the cupcake. As it as it was when Tom Brady was the quarterback there, it's going to be a tough division to win. It's probably going to be probably going to be one of the the, the best, probably second most fun division to watch play each other out you know outside of the NFC West. Right, I think so, and you can't forget about the team in Buffalo, and you know you have to think they were traumatized after Patrick Mahomes pretty much abused them in the playoffs last year, and they couldn't get any pressure on them whatsoever. And so they came and spent their first two picks on pass rushers. And you got Gregory Rousseau out of Miami, who, you know, he's pretty much one of the biggest boom or bust prospects in this draft. But, you know, definitely that boom side is what they're banking on. And, you know, he could end up being a home run hit for them. Definitely. And I think Buffalo is going to get better. 
uh, just as the rest of these teams are. So, like I said, it's going to be an interesting division to watch. And if I if I had to give myself an early pick right now, I might would go with the Miami Dolphins, depending on the development of two. I think I fully expect Tua to make a huge leap this year. Uh, for a Super Bowl to come out of AFC? No, just to win the AFC East. Ah, uh, okay, okay. I was like, that's pretty bold, my guy. But, yeah, you know, to- speaking of teams you like, I'm going to go ahead and say I like the Cleveland Browns for next year. I like what they're building. Stop it. Really? Not Come on, man. Guys. Look at what they did last year, what they added this offseason, and you getting back OBJ and Grant Delpit. Come on, man. I understand it, but they're Baker, not the Baker don't even have to play at a Pro Bowl level. He could be Alex Smith. They're not beating Baltimore. You serious? I'm so serious. Baltimore is not a better team than Cleveland right now. At least on paper, as it stands right now, they're not a better team. Do you want to bet? Baltimore wasn't a better team than Cleveland last year. Do you want to place an early bet? Baltimore wasn't a better team than Cleveland last year, bro. Do you want to place an early bet? I would love to place an early bet. Cleveland was better than Baltimore last year. They're going to be better than them next year. But who won the division? I mean, ultimately, neither one of them got a Super Bowl, so it don't matter. But if you watch both of those teams, Cleveland was better than Baltimore last year. Like I said, we can talk about our bet off air, but I'm telling you, Cleveland's not going to be better than Baltimore. Baltimore going to win this division again. Man, Cleveland got depth and talent all over that roster. I get it. Baltimore brings a lot to the table, too. But Cleveland is packing next year, bro. I understand. It's probably, probably, arguably, probably the most talented roster in football. But like I said, I'm still going Baltimore. All right. I get it, Baltimore fan. You just don't want to come off your little high horse. And you know, for your sake, I hope they don't burst your bubble. <laughs> they not. I'm not. I'm not worried about it. They got. They got. They got Lamar Jackson, and they got John Harbaugh. That's all they need. Look, I I just need my 49ers to handle business. But we, I like. We about to go back to bully ball. I think we about to start just mauling over people. That, that'll probably be the best thing for you. This That's how y'all got it done a couple years ago, so you might as well go back to what you know. Back when we had Kaepernick, and look, I mean, Trey Lance really brings the same skill set to the table, except Lance definitely moves better. Cap always ran stiff to me. Uh, but, you know, I think Trey Lance definitely, he can make people miss a little bit more than Cap. Cap had the straight line speed, but... Uh, Trey Lance, I'll give him the agility edge. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But is there anything else you want to add? Man, I think that's about all I got. All right. Well, that's it for us, guys. This is episode 50 of the First and Foremost Sports Podcast. I am Jimmy Covington. All right. And I'm Quentin Douglas. Appreciate y'all for tuning in. All right. We out. Thank y'all. Deuces.